0: The family patriarch silently paced the floor of his backwater home in disbelief. He was furious that the judge had ruled in favor of the opposing family. This had been far from the first incident between the two families. To the patriarch, it was simply one more notch in the catalog of offenses. But for some reason, this one felt different. This one felt like betrayal. As he paced, a realization began to dawn on him. From this day onward... He would have to accept that things between his family and theirs would only get worse. Perhaps blood would be drawn. He scoffed. It wasn't the first time such a thing had happened, and he was now convinced it would not be the last. Virtuous Men, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction, and today, and the virtues they personify. In this mini-pod season, we will explore the seven deadly sins, a man who personified each one, and the opposing virtue needed to defeat it. Welcome to episode three, The Wrath of the Hatfields and McCoys. A sin is an immoral behavior that one performs in direct opposition to virtue. For every good action, there is an evil action. For every virtue, there is a vice. Both forces work against one another in the hearts and minds of mankind for the benefit or destruction of humanity. Stories of history and fiction have clearly revealed the truth that while every man is capable of great virtue, so too is he capable of unspeakable evil. This duality was famously summarized in what is known as the Seven Deadly Sins, first listed by Pope Gregory I in the 6th century, and then further developed by Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, the list highlights the key sins in human nature that ultimately lead to destruction and death. This episode's sin is Wrath. Wrath is characterized by rash, unwise, and destructive actions brought on by anger, jealousy, or vengeance. Whether brought on by terrible injustice or minor offenses, Wrath is capable of wreaking chaos and destruction like few other sins. It is blind to the truth, unwilling to compromise, and is only concerned with feelings of superiority and justice, whether warranted or not. In the eyes of a wrathful man, everything he does is justified to himself, no matter how horrible his actions may be. One of American history's most infamous examples of wrath occurred after the Civil War on the border of Kentucky and West Virginia. It was a conflict between two families whose names would be forever linked after the terrible tragedies finally came to an end. They were the Hatfields and McCoys. 1865. America. The Civil War. Four years of brutal conflict between the Union and Confederate armies were finally coming to an end. Though one of the country's most horrible and divisive wars was ending, a conflict between two other opposing sides would soon begin. This fight would be on a significantly smaller scale and over a longer period of time, yet would arguably become as famous and mythologized as the Civil War itself. The leader and patriarch of the Hatfield family was William Anderson Hatfield, though he was more well known by his nickname, Devil Ants. How he acquired this name is unclear, though a popular story suggests that he was given this name due to his cousin Anderson, who was known as Preacher Ants, having a more mild temperament. Devil Ants, his wife Leviza, and their thirteen children dwell on the West Virginia side of the Tug Fork region. Though Devil Ants was illiterate, he managed to develop a lumbering business and gain local political connections. His family prospered, and he employed a good amount of men. Some of the men under Devalance's employment were from a family across the Big Sandy River on the Kentucky side of Tug Fork. They were the McCoys, a large family led by patriarch Randolph McCoy. Known as Ole Rannell, he, his wife Sarah, and their 17 children were lower middle class and dwelt in the Pike County region of Tug Fork. He owned and farmed a 300-acre plot of land and also owned a good supply of livestock. In spite of the bitterness that would soon befall them, both families had things in common. Like many Appalachian families, they were both involved in the prolific trade of illegal moonshine production and bootlegging operations. The families knew nearly everyone in the region, including cousins, aunts, uncles, and other distant relatives. This led to a complex social structure in which everyone knew everyone's business, including one another's political leanings. The Hatfields and McCoys were both pro-Confederate, and each had family members in the fight. Devil Lance, along with his violent uncle Jim Vance, even led a guerrilla group known as the Logan Wildcats during the Civil War. Asa McCoy was the lone Union fighter between both families. In December 1864, he was dismissed from the Union Army due to a broken leg. When he returned home in January, He received a notice from Jim Vance that the Wildcats would be paying a visit very soon. Just 13 days after leaving the Union, Asa was shot and killed by the Wildcats. (laughs) Devil Lance was initially blamed, but once it was confirmed that he was not present, Jim Vance would be blamed for the killing. It was the first known violent incident between the families, though some historians believe it to be an isolated incident with no connection to the feud. Though Asa was seen as a traitor by some for switching allegiances, he was still family. Tensions between the Hatfields and McCoys slowly simmered after Asa's killing. The Hatfields' greater wealth and remaining bitterness following the Civil War no doubt contributed. Tensions eventually came to a head 13 years later over a seemingly small offense. In 1878, Ole Rannell accused Devil Anse's cousin Floyd Hatfield for stealing one of his hogs. He claimed the marks on its ears clearly showed it to be McCoy property. In a poor region where owning livestock could mean life or death for a family, Old Rana would not simply let it go. The matter was taken to the local justice of the peace, which was led by Preacher Anse Hatfield. Bill Statton, a distant relative of both families, was the star witness on whom the trial hinged. Surprisingly, his testimony ruled in favor of Floyd Hatfield. Court is adjourned. The trial's outcome infuriated the McCoys, and Staten faced harsh harassment following the trial. The harassment ended violently two years later when two McCoy nephews, Sam and Paris, brutally killed him. Amazingly, the two McCoys claimed self-defense and were subsequently acquitted. One of the most dramatic elements of the feud happened mere months after Staten's murder. Jonesy Hatfield, Devilance's oldest son, met Ol' Rannell's daughter, Rosanna. They both fell in love and attempted to keep their relationship hidden from their respective fathers. The McCoys even attempted to arrest Jonesy on numerous bootlegging charges. Rosanna warned Devil Ants, who organized a posse to rescue his son. Though Rosanna became pregnant, the fathers were still deeply bitter over the relationship and refused to allow their children to marry. This was of no consequence to the womanizing Jonesy. He had already run off with Rosanna's cousin Nancy, whom he wed in 1881. After his abandonment of Rosanna and his child, Ole Ranald disowned his daughter and grandchild, who tragically passed away at only eight months old. Rosanna died at age 29 from what many said later was a broken heart. The year 1882 saw the next violent episode of the feud. During an election day in Kentucky, three McCoy brothers, Farmer, Tolbert, and Randolph Jr., got into a heated dispute with Devil Lance's brother, Ellison. A drunken Ellison was caught off guard and stabbed 26 times, after which he was shot in the back. The McCoy brothers fled, but were quickly apprehended by law enforcement and taken to Pikeville, Kentucky, for indictment but Devalance had secretly formed a posse of vigilantes to commandeer the McCoy brothers before they arrived to face trial. They were then taken back to West Virginia to await the fate of the mortally wounded Ellison. When news reached the posse that Ellison had died, Tolbert, Farmer, and Randolph Jr. were tied to a cluster of pawpaw bushes and swiftly executed by 50 gunshots. Shortly after the murders, Devil Ants and over 20 posse members were indicted. Due to the complicated politics and family loyalties, the Hatfields escaped arrest. This further ignited rage among the McCoys. They sought out the attorney Perry Klein, who was married to a McCoy. Klein himself had a personal vendetta against Devil Ants, against whom he had lost a lawsuit over a land deed years ago. Using his political connections, Klein announced bounty rewards for the arrests of the Hatfields. The Hatfields now knew that there needed to be an effort to end the feud for good, and a plan was soon formed. Devil Lance's son, Cap, and Jim Vance led a group of fellow Hatfields to the McCoy family cabin on January 1, 1888. Once they had the cabin surrounded, they opened fire. The McCoys awoke and grabbed their own guns to engage. Torches were lit and thrown at the cabin to burn it down. Most of the McCoys escaped into the woods, but two of Old Ranall's children, Calvin and Alifair, were killed. His wife, Sarah, was also nearly bludgeoned to death. After the cabin was destroyed, the remaining McCoys fled to Pikeville. The incident would become known as the New Year's Night Massacre. Kentucky Governor S.B. Buckner dispatched Special Officer Frank Phillips to investigate the situation. With a posse of fellow bounty hunters and a few McCoys, they soon began roaming West Virginia to arrest the Hatfields. Jim Vance was chased down and killed when he refused to be arrested. The posse continued raiding the homes of the Hatfields and their supporters. Devil Anse had received word of these movements and had already been preparing for the final showdown. The two groups met and clashed at Grapevine Creek, located on the West Virginia side of Tug Fork. The Hatfields managed to ambush the McCoys, but gradually the McCoys regained the upper hand. The Hatfields suffered multiple casualties and were forced to retreat. Those that failed to retreat became McCoy prisoners. The period of trials and legal battles began in late 1888. Eight Hatfields were indicted for the events of the New Year's Night Massacre. Due to complications involving due process and extradition, the Supreme Court became involved in the conflict. They decreed that the Hatfields being held were allowed to be tried by the state of Kentucky, and seven of them received life sentences. Most of these were given for the death of Ol' Rannell's daughter and murder of Ellison Hatfield. The eighth man, the mentally challenged Ellison Mounts, was sentenced to hang for his involvement. After the death sentence was issued, Mounce retracted his confession and claimed innocence. Rumors spread that he had been pressured to confess in exchange for leniency and was nothing but a scapegoat. It was the only legal execution of the entire feud and the last public hanging in Pike County. Mounce's final words were, the Hatfields made me do it. After the execution, the feud ended. It had lasted almost 30 years, and claimed the lives of more than a dozen on both sides, with many more wounded, physically and emotionally. The Patriarchs attempted something of a normal life following the tragedies between their families. Ole Rannell, who had lost five children in the feud, became a ferry operator and supposedly remained haunted by the deaths of his children for the rest of his life. He died in 1914 at the age of 88. Devil Lance, who had always been skeptical of religion, was baptized at age 72 and converted to Christianity. The preacher who did the baptism joked years later that he was the preacher who baptized the devil. After his conversion, Devil Lance reportedly lived the remainder of his life in peace before dying in 1921 of pneumonia at the age of 81. His funeral attracted several thousand mourners, and there were even reports that some of those in attendance were McCoys. The feud between the families became part of American folklore, with many myths surrounding the actual events and participants. Numerous tourists continued to visit the famous sites of the feud, and books, TV shows, documentaries, and films continued to ingrain the feud into the public imagination. But while the conflict became the most famous family feud in American history, it is easy for the drama to overshadow the very real damage caused by the wrath the two families displayed. While the causes of their animosity may never be fully known, what is clear is the moral blindness caused by this animosity. Lives were lost due to the family's refusal to understand one another and to come together to work through their differences. The healing virtue of wrath is patience. Patience thinks before it acts, Patience seeks knowledge and understanding before making any sort of action. A patient man knows that sometimes more time is needed to make good decisions, even if he wants to act on impulse. A patient man understands that his actions, no matter how justified, have consequences that not only affect him, but others close to him. A patient man understands that others think differently and is willing to listen, even if he thinks they are wrong. Had the Hatfields and McCoy sought patience over wrath, Perhaps none of the violence that claimed multiple lives would have happened. Perhaps we would remember them today as friends instead of enemies. Perhaps in our current age of wrath, we would learn to be patient with our fellow man, to understand him, and possibly, to love him. This episode of Virtuous Men was written and recorded by Scott Einig and edited by Jamie Adams. Tune in next Monday for the next episode of our Seven Deadly Sins series, The Sin of Lust.